Welcome to Sparking Wholeness, where we talk all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Erin Carey. I'm a survivor of bipolar disorder and a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd who loves asking why. As a certified integrative nutrition health coach, my goal is to help people find balance, and I want to help you find ways to spark wholeness in your life. For more information, check out sparkingwholeness.com or on the Instagram handle, Sparking Wholeness. And now, get ready for today's awesome show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Sparking Wholeness. This is Erin Carey, and you guys know that I'm all about having a balanced perspective of health, all about having a balanced perspective of nutrition, and I really want to bring people on here that will challenge us to be our our own health advocates. And I think our next guest today is definitely going to do that. I love her perspective. I love what she has to say. Her name is Chelsea Blackbird, aka the Christian nutritionist. She is a nutritional therapy practitioner who works with Christian women to optimize metabolism and food peace. She uses biblical guidance and simple strategies to keep busy women focused on more God and better health. She is married to a cattle rancher, has three kids, and does a weekly podcast called The Christian Health Club. And if you haven't listened to it, it's really great. She, I mean, there's one episode, I think the first episode I listened to was just about zinc. Like that was it. It was just about zinc. And I was like, oh my goodness, I did not know all of this about zinc. So she brings a lot of really good truth, a lot of really good information, but in a balanced way that is not super, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like diety and um, holier than thou, like it's just balanced. And so welcome Chelsea to the podcast. So glad you're on. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. I try not to be diety and holier than thou. That's who wants to hear that. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and I also need to add, I had a previous guest on the show, Leslie Bumpus. She did an episode oh. called Detox Your Brain that was fascinating, all about Alzheimer's, dementia, all of that. And um, she's the one I first heard about Chelsea from. And um, that there's a program that she does that was started by Chelsea called Feast to Fast, which we will get to in a minute, which is a really fascinating program. But first, Chelsea, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and what drew you to becoming a nutritional therapy practitioner? And what even is that? Because I think a lot of people wouldn't even know what that is. So give us all the goods. Sure. A nutritional therapy practitioner um, works with clients to optimize, um, obviously, uh, their nutrition, um, lifestyle, um, you know, different aspects of their lifestyle and supplements if necessary to bring them to their best health. And, um, and we, we use different um, dietary approaches therapeutically. So, and it's just really on a case by case basis. And so that's really what we do is um, just, you know, take in a client's, all of the client's information at their background and try to choose the, ba- the best path forward to them. I'm sure you've said, and I'm sure you've heard that there's no one diet, you know, fits all. Um, there's not one size of a diet for everybody, you know, the perfect thing to do because we're all in such kind of different states and different places in our journey. So we just kind of take that information to account and try to customize as much as possible. Um, as far as what led me to do that, um, I, I find that most of us in this uh, field of hol- holistic health find our way there because we have our own problems, yeah. <laughs> which is was true for me. So I um, 
most of my life, I battled digestive issues. Um, frankly, constipation, wow. big old problem for me. Also, um, I have a genetic skin condition called hydrogenitis superativa. Oh. And so those two things I battled my whole life and just really had exhausted all options, you know, in the medical community. And it just kind of came to the point where I was like, I guess I'm going to have to live with this. You know, that's just who my family is. Cause that's, you know, that was, it's just something that runs in my family. I'm like, we're just, we don't poop and we have bad skin. <laughs> it's just who we are. And I thought that's just the way I was going to have to live. And it really wasn't until my husband and I were trying to start a family and I was diagnosed with unexplained infertility, which is like oh. so unhelpful. It was like, that pretty much means they don't know what's wrong with you. Right. And the doctors were ready to send me down the path of, you know, fertility treatments. And my husband, he was like, mm -mm, not for that. He's a cattle rancher. And so he is like, these things take time. You know, mm -hmm. he's like looking at, at all, you know, the pasture, all the cattle. He's like, it doesn't take every time, you know, and he's comparing me to his cows, basically. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Um, so anyway, he was just like, let's just give it some time. I, I really don't want to do this. So I was really desperate at that point and just started researching and found that diet could be helpful. And so I ended up going to a, a naturopath hmm. who, um, you know, sat down, explained diet to me, recommended that I remove gluten, you know, watch my sugar. He gave me some supplements and, you know, some fatty acids that I was deficient on. Six weeks later, I was pregnant. Wow. Yes. I was like, are you kidding me? You know, are you kidding me? I could have gone down that road of fertility treatments and spent thousands and gone through all that. And it, you know, may have worked, may have not, but, um, luckily, you know, nutrition and getting my health in order was, um, was the way for me. And then I, you know, also noticed with that, you know, my digestive issues, for better. My skin condition came under control. And I mean, I'm talking 20 years of really intense things with doctors that really did nothing for my skin condition. Like, so did you, were you prescribed Miralax at one point? Was that kind of, I feel like that's a lot of, uh, what a lot of people what? are giving. I, I, not Miralax, but other laxatives. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it, it was didn't kind of, help. It, no, no, mm -mm, no, yeah. did not help. I mean, with my skin condition, I mean, I had major surgery, minor surgery, oh, wow. I mean, big things that, you know, maybe move the needle a little bit, but nothing like diet. And hmm. so I completely keep that under control now with, um, you know, with food and lifestyle. Wow. And, you know, if I go off the rails, it'll come back. So, um, but anyway, so it was really those things that got me into health, but the, and so I just became an, um, just obsessed with reading about nutrition and I started changing my, you know, family's, you know, diet. And the final catalyst was when my best friend was diagnosed with breast cancer um, at about, I guess she was 38. And at that point I knew that, you know, diet played a role and, and yet doctors were not saying anything like, Hey, woe up on the sugar. That's like putting gasoline on a fire. And at that point I was like, okay, I need some, I need some street cred here. I need some, I need some, <laughs> some letters or something behind my name. So people will pay attention because this is so important. Um, so that's when I went to um, become a nutritional therapy practitioner. And I wasn't real sure what I was going to do with that. But once I went through it and learned everything that I know now, I was like, there's no way I can keep this to myself, especially with my experience, everything that um, better food, um, did for me. So, 
Yeah. And, and your experience, I think that gives you so much more credibility, even than your credentials. I think both together are great. But yeah. you know, a lot of people can be like, oh, NTP, what is that? Da, da, da. But right. story backing that, like those things together. I mean, I feel the same, same way about, about my story and same thing like, oh, I, I better get some credentials. Otherwise people are just going to think I'm, you know, shouting out nonsense, but nobody can argue with your experience. Right. You know, and, I'm, and I'm looking at you, you made a comment to me, um, I think it was yesterday about being older than me. And I'm looking at you and I'm like, uh, you look amazing. I don't know how old <laughs> you are, but you look amazing. And I You're think that that's also a testament to like your skin is glowing. It's real clear. You know, that's a testament to the nutrition as well and, and what you've learned. And I think that that's, nobody can see us, but <laughs> something to add on there. Well, so that's kind of you. Thank you. Yeah, no, that is so fascinating. So it's, a follow-up question on the fertility stuff. Now, did you ever, were, was your cycle this, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but did you have signs of that or did it come out of nowhere? Is that why it threw you a curveball? or? No, I had, I had regular cycles. Yeah. Wow. And you I know, I had for a lot of people. Yes, I did. And um, it's interesting. I just finished um, a really intense advanced training on hormones, like mm. the hardest class I've ever taken in my life. I'm pretty sure I lost half my brain out of my ear. It melted out of my ear. <laughs> but, um, you know, having that, it, I look back and it makes me sad um, and kind of ticked off because, <laughs> you know, if I would have had that information now, like these tests that we can run, they probably didn't have them back then. Yeah. But um, it would have been exactly what I needed and given me answers, you know, for sure, diet, um, gut health, all that played a role, but it would have given us even more information about what to do. And I'm just so glad that we have uh, more information now and that, you know, there's opportunities for people like you and I to, to go through these, this holistic type training and just, you know, help people. It's just you yeah. know, such a blessing. It is. And, and I am not, I don't have any tests that I can run. I don't, so I would love to know more about this new horn. I know it's, a, you said it's a saliva test. Is that right? Mm -hmm. what well, we do, I can do saliva testing and urine testing. It kind of depends on what the, what the issue is and what, okay. you know, what we're looking for, but I can run Dutch tests. Um, oh, some people cool. have heard of that. Uh -huh. And, and then there's some different salivary panels um, that we can run on adrenals and we can run, mm. um, you know, for the reproductive and um, you know, the sex hormones and, and such. And then I also do, um, gastrointestinal testing and food sensitivity testing. Oh, cool. So tell me, let's talk a little bit about the adrenal thing, because I think that's something that, um, it's, it's a little controversial in mainstream medicine, but more and more, I know functional medicine doctors, integrative medicine doctors, like we're waking up to this idea that our adrenals can be drained by life stressors, mm -hmm. by our diet, by lack of good sleep, by a lot of things, which also plays a role in our hormones, right? And I know yes. I've been reading up a lot more lately just for personal reasons about um, perimenopause and how that can happen so much sooner than we think, mm -hmm. um, like around what, like 35 it can start. Mm -hmm. And so I would love to know how adrenal fatigue, burnt, burned out adrenals can factor into hormones and all of that. Can you speak on that for a little bit? Absolutely. Um, adrenals, the adrenal glands are, the adrenal glands and some of the hormones they produce are upstream from um, producing 
are uh, our reproductive hormones. And especially for perimenopausal women, I'm right there with you, sister, um, <laughs> in those years. And so as we move into menopause and the ovaries kind of start shutting down their function, the adrenals pick up slack and they really become more important in producing hormones. They're, they're what produce some of the hormones for us um, in, in the menopausal years. And so if, though, if your adrenal glands are just so overly taxed, from the things you mentioned, you know, um, stress and stress can come from a lot of different things. You know, the obvious stressors of, you know, life, like, you know, financial and family and work and that kind of thing. Um, but also, you know, poor gut health, food sensitivities, um, poor light. Um, light is something that really affects our, um, our adrenal glands or cortisol. And so when, when that is um, dysfunctional, when the adrenals are dysfunctional, that is going to create, especially for a perimenopausal woman going into menopause, such a worse experience um, with that. And so, when in and so when we are looking at hormones, it's um, you, and especially with testing, it's almost it's always a good idea to do an adrenal um, adrenal panel along with that because you really rely on your adrenals working properly um, for hormone for good balanced hormones. Yeah. Yeah. That is. So what kind of things would you look at in an adrenal panel that would help with that? Well, you're testing really your cortisol. There's a, there's an optimal cortisol pattern that we want to see in the day. You want your cortisol to be high first thing in the morning, and then you want it to taper off throughout the day. And then within that, you want it to hit in within a specific range. Um, And so when that is off, then we know that there is some adrenal um, dysfunction. And so we want to address that and um, get that on track. And so that we, you know, your adrenals are really healthy to help make those downstream hormones. So does that explain, so when the cortisol is out of whack, does that explain why a lot of women will totally crash in the afternoon? They'll have maybe that 2 p.m. crash and then yes. feel a burst of energy at night. And yes, because it's, it's supposed to be, we have, the, oh, or they can't get out of bed in the morning. Right. Totally. I, I was that for a long time and I have gotten it under control for the most part, but, um, it's still depending on seasons of life and depending on what I'm eating and how fast paced my life is going. It can, I notice a switch in my energy levels. And so that's definitely a cortisol thing, right? Absolutely. You know, it was funny because I ran one on myself and I have a lot of energy in the morning and then in the afternoons and in the night, like eight o'clock, I'm ready to crawl into bed, you know, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. And so that was exactly what my um, cortisol pattern showed is like, it's it's great range in the morning. And then in the afternoon and at night, it was low. And I'm like, well, there you go. So I put myself on a protocol to help, um, to help balance that out. And, um, you know, hopefully lift that afternoon energy a little bit. That's awesome. So do you do that through different changing up your nutrition or through supplements, a little bit of everything, a little bit of everything. Um, again, you know, and this is going to become more and more, um, apparent popular. A thing we focus on in the health world is how much light impacts, um, impacts our cortisol rhythms. And I think it's fascinating because, I look to Genesis, the book of Genesis Mm -hmm. a lot when I am sharing, you know, information with people like, you know, really God laid out 
optimal health plan in Genesis with creation. You know, there's light. Light was the first thing he created. And our bodies have these receptors all over the place um, that take in the light. And the light signals our brains, um, which signal our hormones. And so light is really important. And so many people um, are not getting enough sunlight. They get too much blue light from screens. And that really, really throws off so many hormones in the body, especially cortisol and melatonin, mm-hmm. which is our sleep mm-hmm. hormone. And so one thing you can do is just in the morning, get some natural light in your eyes. Um, as soon as you can, that signals mm-hmm. the body like, Hey, it's daytime. It's time to wake up and let's get things popping. <laughs> uh-huh. And then in the evenings, as it's getting dark to reduce screen time, or at least wear like blue blocker glasses, because mm-hmm. that blue light will um, affect your production of melatonin and not be able to sleep. And then you're just creating this vicious cycle. And so really kind of those cap-ins of the day, you know, getting natural light in the morning and then, you know, bringing that light down in the, in the evenings to signal the body, it, the, that light, the light receptors in our body tell the hormones what to do. And so if we have this constant light coming in at us, your body's like, wait, it's still daytime. <laughs> I'm confused. What's happening? Yeah. And so I- that will throw it off. That's so good. I think that's such a good reminder because that rhythm is important. And I know for mental health, it's important too. And Mm -hmm. uh, there's an interesting study. When I first got my blue light blockers, um, I found a study that talked about blue light, blue light blockers, reducing symptoms of bipolar disorder Mm -hmm. because of the way that regulates the circadian rhythm. And I thought that was so fascinating, but I, but I totally agree that morning sun and, and, Also the fact that we wear sunscreen all the time for everything, for every second, you know, that can also interfere as well, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, You know, it's healthy to get some level of sun. You know, we're going to be going into the spring and summer seasons soon. And I I don't know if I should say this, but I wear a lot less sunscreen than I do, than I used to. But here's the thing, the, the healthier you are on the inside, um, the less you're going to get burned, to put it simply. The more yes. inflamed, the inner fire, more inner fire you have, the more the outer fire is going to affect you. Yeah. And so, um, you know, that is something to, to absolutely consider and taking things like getting enough omega-3s and, you know, fish oil, astaxanthin, mm-hmm. supplements like that can really help your body yeah. um, take in some sunlight without, without getting burned. I mean, yes, we need to use sunlight responsibly, but, um, but yeah, just not covering up with especially chemically sunscreen, it's, you know, really actually worse for you. Yeah. And and there's, there's a lot of really good information on that. If if anybody's hearing this and going, what in the world (laughs) on um, the, the environmental working group site, they have a lot of really good information about sunscreen. Um, Weston A. Price, Wise Traditions podcast. They've done some podcasts on sunscreen before that was completely eye-opening about the level of hormone disrupting chemicals that are in sunscreen and also the way it disrupts our vitamin D. And like you said, have decreasing inflammation on the inside and having enough antioxidants as well can help protect our skin more than anything else. Not saying we should go stand out in the sun for 12 hours a day, but knowing that again, it starts on the inside. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think sometimes I, I talk about things like that and people think I'm crazy, but the information is out there if, if you want to look for it and dig for it. Um, yes. So let's, let's switch to something that I know that you talk about a lot that I, I love hearing about. And it's this whole idea of 
being a sugar burner, being a fat burner, uh, creating metabolic flexibility. Mm -hmm. What does that look like for you? What is that? How can that help us, especially those of us who are going through seasons of stress? Mm -hmm. Um, We're going through like, right, currently we are in the middle of a shelter in place, social distancing time, whatever we want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, So how can what we eat impact the way our body burns and the metabolic flexibility there? Sure. So metabolic flexibility is basically um, making sure that your body is able to efficiently burn both glucose and fatty acids. Okay. Those are, um, God made our bodies to use basically sugar and fat as our sources of energy. And um, being able to use both is healthy. Now, a lot of people, um, it's kind of popular right now um, to like the ketogenic diet is popular and the carnivore diet is popular. And, um, you know, I consider those extreme diets necessary sometimes as, as, as a nutritional therapy practitioner, I would use that therapeutically, but I wouldn't say it's the best choice for everybody. Um, because you know, what it boils down to is when you, when you do something extreme and cut out a major macronutrient, which is right now it's cutting out carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, and you train your body to only burn fat, which sounds really fabulous. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh yeah, I just want to burn fat. Um, it is great. You know, we definitely want to burn fat, but is that something that is sustainable for you in the long term? So let me back up a little bit. A sugar burner is somebody that really can only access sugar for fuel, carbs for fuel. The body is kind of stuck in this glucose burning mode and has been trained to only burn sugar and not really be able to access fatty acids, access the stored fat on our body. So that's not a good situation either. Um, we, like I said, we really want to be able to, to use glucose and fat efficiently. And so what I have found um, to be the best way to train the body for metabolic um, flexibility is to not cut out a major macronutrient, but just, um, you know, I'm like, we welcome all the macronutrients here. All, you know, the fats, <laughs> the carbs, and the proteins are equal opportunity macronutrients uh, for all the macronutrients. And really just having a nice balance of those that might look a little different, the ratios based on um, the person. But generally speaking, if we keep our, um, our carbs between 50 grams to 100 grams, somewhere in there, mm-hmm. most of the time, um, then that really, that can be the most helpful thing. So it's kind of low carb, but not too low carb. And we, we right. still want to um, give our body some of those, um, especially the healthy carbohydrates, what I call the real food carbohydrates, mm-hmm. the ones that God put in nature, the things that grow on trees and in plants and the root vegetables and um, all of those beautiful carbohydrates that grow in nature and that really offer us a lot of vitamins and minerals. Yeah. Um, and so it's, that's really what it is, is just training your body to be able to burn both glucose and fatty acids efficiently. Did I answer that? Okay. Is that yeah. Yeah. So yeah, no, it's great. So a follow-up question would be, so if we are constantly, so say the average American consumes maybe 300 grams of carbs a day, mm. right? And mm-hmm. a lot of that is through chips and cookies and cake, you know, like the usual. Um, If we're constantly consuming that, you're saying that our body can only burn that for energy and can't ever get to burning the stored fat that we have. But as, and and that's where I wonder, you know, that, that ties into also like the insulin 
yes, resistance, exactly. right? Yes, um, exactly because that's our body's continuing to pump out insulin. And so that's all that our body's burning. So we can't get to those stored the, the fat right. stores that you're talking about. I just want to make sure to clarify yes, where you're going yes, with that. That's Is that correct? That's okay. exactly right. So when we eat, so, you know, all carbohydrates turn to sugar. I don't know that a lot of people realize that whether right. it is, you know, your sweet potato or your blueberry or <laughs> your oatmeal or your beans or your rice or your quinoa or your donuts or your chips. And so you have to, you have to look at your day and think, okay, what is my carb load here? Because all carbs turn to sugar. And so if you are primarily eating carbohydrates, no matter the source, um, although we obviously always encourage um, the real food carbohydrates, um, the nature carbohydrates, mm -hmm. um, in any time that you're eating carbohydrates, your body releases insulin to store that sugar that you can't use immediately. So it's like an escort. So insulin shows up and it mm -hmm. takes that extra um, those carbs that turn to sugar and it puts it in your liver, puts it in your muscles and whatever those can't hold turns to fat. So excess carbohydrates turn to fat. And so the more you're setting off insulin, the more you're in storage mode. And when you're in storage mode, you are not in fat burning mode. And so the more carbohydrates you eat, the more insulin goes off, the more you're training your body, you're telling your body to store instead of burn. And so when we dial back on some of those carbohydrates, and keep that at more reasonable levels, then your body is not producing insulin all the time. Um, you will eventually, you know, run through some of those carb stored carbohydrates and your body is like, oh, what do I use now? Oh, now I can burn some fat for energy. The body will always burn glucose first, always use sugar first, because it's a lot easier, a lot easier source of energy to use. And so you just have to give it the opportunity to get to the fat to burn for energy. Yeah, I think that's really good. And even if we look at ancestrally speaking, right? People from thousands of years ago, I think this is the first time in all of human history that we had so much access to so much food at one time. And I think that's really hard for the human body to adapt to. Like we're pretty adaptable. And mm -hmm. I know, you know, for people whose families have been in the United States longer, we're way more adaptable than anybody else. But I know there are people that come over from say like Indian countries or in or um, Eastern Asia where it's more balanced with vegetables. They don't have as many carbs. They have, you know, fruit is considered a dessert, things like that. Right. They come over here and it's really hard to adjust and they end up with skinny fat health problems, you know, like the visceral yes. fat storage and, yes. and things because their bodies are becoming inflamed very quickly. That's something that I learned about recently. And I thought it's so interesting. We can adapt, mm -hmm. but I don't know if we're adapting as quickly as we think we are. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So it's only been like what the last hundred, yeah. 120 since we incorporated like cornflakes into the diet and yes, things that are processed in that way. Is that mm -hmm. Yeah, really since the industrialized revolution, mm -hmm. you know, um, I can't remember the exact dates, but you know, 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, all that whole era is when really the processed food started becoming a thing. And that's when we see, you know, um, we see a lot of problems starting to happen with human health. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating. If you trace it back and look at what chronic illnesses have risen since then. Yes. And it's, it's hard not to see that once you see it. Yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah. So that's so fascinating. So with that being said, what are your thoughts on intermittent fasting? Because I know that that's trending. I know that, um, 
there are a lot of people that use it in maybe detrimental ways. I know that there are also a lot of benefits even for brain health. What are your thoughts on that? I love intermittent fasting. It's something that um, I practice, I, I teach and feast to fast. Um, you know, and it, that doesn't mean it has to be, a, you know, an extreme. I, I recommend people go anywhere from 12 to 16 hours, which was really the norm historically. Right. You know, I mean, it used to be really before the 1950s and before it was like, okay, everybody kitchen is shut down at six or seven. Like we're having dinner and then we're done here. Mm-hmm. And now, you know, we, we go back in there and we look in the fridge with some popcorn with our Netflix or the kid wants <laughs> ice cream or snacks. And, and yeah, we just kind of grazing when historically we really had more of a, a cutoff time when we stopped eating. And then we allowed that body, the body to, um, you know, one, just have that eating. And so that's really what intermittent fasting is, is giving that body, the digestive system, a break from eating. It's really good for digestive health. Um, it's really good opportunity to let your body, you know, burn some of that glucose, some mm-hmm. of that stored sugar, and, and then finally get to start burning the fatty acids. You, Cause like I said, it will always burn the sugar first. And so if you, if the more often you're eating, especially carbohydrates, um, you're never giving your body the chance to the need to burn, you know, burn the fatty acids. And so intermittent fasting, um, does that. And then, you know, when we're inter- talking about intermittent fasting, the majority of it happens while you're sleeping. So it's not near a big a deal as people think. And what that also allows is that the body to be able to better detoxify. So we do all, most of our detoxifying while we're asleep. Um, and so if you, if your body's still dealing with digestive issues, if you ate too late or you've got you've had so much food and um, you've had so many carbs and there's so much, so much of that going on, uh, your detoxification will be compromised. And so it's just really good on so many levels and it's really not nearly as weird or hard or um, difficult to practice. And I think as Christians, we are called to fast. We don't have to fast for 40 days like Jesus, (laughs) but you know, um, a little bit of intermittent fasting, a little bit of discipline of being like, okay, Hey, I'm, I'm stopping now and I'm not going to, you know, I'm stopping at seven o'clock tonight and I'm not going to eat till at least seven o'clock in the morning. I mean, that's 12 hours. That's pretty reasonable. Um, and so, like I said, anywhere between that 12 to 16 hours is helpful, uh, for health issues, for weight issues, a little closer to that 16 can, Mm -hmm. um, kind of accelerate that, uh, accelerate you to your goals a little bit faster, depending on what that is. But, um, but any time in there is going to be helpful. Yeah, I think that's good. And it's not, it's not as hard as like you were saying, it's, it's kind of when you get into the rhythm of it, it's like, oh, this is what my body naturally wants, you know? And, and I think that even just the 12 hours, starting at 12 hours, it's amazing going from eight to eight, what, what that'll do for you, you know? Absolutely. Um, And, and as far as like, say you want to have some coffee or what do you recommend there for people who want to practice this? Maybe they want to go try 13, 14, up to Mm -hmm. 16. Is there something that they can like coffee or or something that they can have that doesn't break it? I know there's a lot of different viewpoints. Yeah, there's a lot. What what is your opinion? Well, this is one of the most frequently questions, you know, questions that I get. And so here's really, well, this is how I answer it. I mean, if you really want to do a traditional fast, I mean, a truly traditional fast would be water or, or even black coffee. Okay. Um, but what I practice is, um, 
is, you know, I will have my coffee and I will have a little bit of fat in my coffee. I put a little bit of full fat coconut milk in my coffee, mm -hmm. not too much. Um, but that is not enough. Really what you're looking to do, especially if you're trying to train your body to be a better fat burner as a, a sugar burner. Um, if you have a little bit of fat in your coffee, like full fat coconut milk or something like that, that is no big deal. But when you introduce um, a significant amount of carbs, you know, if you're having like your international delight, you know, sugary mm -hmm. uh, chemical concoction, I, concoction. <laughs> I know the flavors and all that, but that will switch you. That's got some sugar. That's got some, you know, some carbs in it. And so when you put carbs in your body, your body switches into sugar burning mode. And so um, if you will keep your coffee um, either black or just with a little bit of fat in it, um, your body will stay in that fat burning mode and it will, you know, get you a little bit longer through your fast. That's the way that I do it. Um, but if you're really trying to honor a traditional fast, it would be, uh, you know, just water or black coffee. Yeah. I love that. Those, those are really helpful tips. And cause that is very confusing with all of that out there. Yes, it um, is. and you know, and you mentioned something, you talked about fasting, you know, being a discipline. And so how do we enter or be a part of this world that is filled with excess, that is filled with all sorts of gluttonous enjoyments, you know, mm -hmm, that are yeah. not necessarily, you know, I, I think God wouldn't have made fruit sweet if we weren't to enjoy sweet things, right? So right. how do we find that balance? How do we receive enjoyment from food, but also have a balance that we want to nourish our bodies in a positive way? How, how sure. do we do that? How do you help people with that? Well, this is what I love to do. It's my favorite. <laughs> it's helping people find food peace. You know, I think that um, we have to find that place where real food meets real life. Because um, yes, I want to nourish my body, but I also want to have some wine with my girlfriends, and I also want right. to make cookies with my kids, and I, you know, and I also want to go on vacation and have some fun food. And so, um, the way that I teach it is that you know, if we nourish our body most of the time then our body can handle some of the, you know, the food that's not ideal some of the time. Mm -hmm. And it's a matter of striking that balance. So when, when we do in feast to fast, I, it, and really it all comes down to carbohydrates, right? That's where we get in trouble. I mean, nobody's jonesing for a chicken breast or for broccoli. Nobody's really <laughs> you're probably going to overdo too much of that. If you think about it, everything that, you know, typically leads us to um, eating too much or going overboard or carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. And so how can we live peaceably with carbohydrates without, you know, totally cutting them out, but without overdoing it and without feeling guilty and all that kind yeah. of thing. And so um, the way that I teach it is we, I, I categorize carbohydrates into three categories, real food carbohydrates, which I mentioned are basically what grows in nature, mm -hmm. whole food carbohydrates, which would be things like your rice and your oatmeal and your quinoa and your beans, and then what I call heck yeah, carbohydrates. And those are the things that aren't good for us, but that we like, and we don't want to give up for forever. And so, you know, I kind of take clients systematically through the levels of that and just like, just, you know, sit with real food carbohydrates for a week. Let's see how that does. Next week, we're going to go through whole food carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. Are these worth it to you? Do you really love rice or, or is, are you cool with collie rice? Can we keep your carb dough? carb load down a little bit and save it for something that you might like, like a glass mm -hmm. of wine. And mm -hmm. then we go through heck yeah, carbohydrates. So we're really, it's just a really, it's a discernment process because yeah. like I said, I don't think people realize, you know, that they're eating so many carbohydrates, that there are so many foods that fall into the carbohydrate category, mm -hmm. that carbohydrates all turn to sugar. And it's what really 
create such mayhem. So if we can just slow down and just realize that mm -hmm. and then discern what is really, really worth it to keep in and then keep within that, that carb load, you know, then I find that people, um, can make that sustainable. You know, there's something about like, I don't, I don't have to, um, you know, I can still eat some crackers with my cheese. I can still, you know, go to happy hour with my friend. I can still have a pie at Thanksgiving and I don't have to feel guilty. Right. And I just, I know how to manage it, you know, and, and giving people that food piece is so important to me because I think we think way too much about food and we diet do. and weight. Yeah. And for me, my angle as a Christian nutritionist is like, man, I want to free up that space in your mind to think about God and your blessings and just like mm -hmm. showing up as your best self in the world and not be always thinking about what you're eating or what she's eating mm -hmm. or what you shouldn't have eaten or, you know, what's the scale say? I mean, yeah, that's, just, that's a trap. That's a real a big I, trap. I've fallen into that trap myself. And, and it, I love that balance, again, that's why I wanted to bring you on here is that balanced perspective, because, you know, when I was in nutrition school, we played around with all the different diets and stuff mm -hmm. and like different eating styles. And I went full keto for a month where I mean like hardcore keto. And I found myself at the end of the month, totally binging on a bag of chickpea crisps. I don't even like, they're like <laughs> a little, they're like cheap. They're gross. They're not even good. <laughs> right? I don't even like them, but because I couldn't have chickpeas and I couldn't have legumes, it made me mad. So that's all I wanted. And I found that if I can allow myself to have these things and try and listen to my body. How am I responding to legumes? How am I, not just because somebody told me, you know, right. legumes are going to be inflammatory for you. I don't know that for me personally. Right, exactly. So I got to try it out. Right. And so that was a really good experiment for me for what not to do and in finding that balance. And yeah. there, are, there are some carbs that I love and I think they're worth it. Some are not. Um, pasta is a, is something that makes me feel pretty sick. Like mm. real, like the, and, and I don't have a gluten sensitivity, but I don't for various reasons. It's not something that my family, we have in our house. And so I was trying it out. Let's do real pasta this time, the real whole wheat, you know, organic mm. pasta. And it made me really sick. Mm -hmm. Um, just the, as the fullness factor. And, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't like that. And so there are things that I've had to learn for myself. That's not to say that it wouldn't work for somebody else, right. um, you know, depending on whatever they have going on. But I, it's so funny when you step back and like you said, and, and I like the categories of the, what'd you say? The, um, real, real food carbs, whole food carbs and heck yeah. Yeah. I like love if that. If it doesn't make you say heck yeah, then it's a heck no. I mean, right. I think a lot of us go in like a, the break room at work or, or a party and we're just, you know, it's there and we're just picking it up. But if you just have a little awareness, like, you know what, I don't, I don't really give a rip about chickpea crisps. Why am I, right. that is not worth They're my carbs. But what's worth my carb load is the hamburger bun or the chips with guacamole or, um, you know, or pancakes on Saturday morning with my kids or, you know, or whatever. Yeah. And so if, you know, if we just go through that discernment process and really mm -hmm. decide what is worth it, what's, what makes us say, heck yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, like, and there are things like, I don't like ice cream. It's okay not to like ice cream. I don't think it's yeah. very good. It makes my mouth cold. That's no fun. I can't take <laughs> You know, like stuff like that. But, yes. but when I, in the past, when I've told myself, ice cream is so bad, you can't have it, then that's when I want it. And so now exactly. knowing, oh, I can have it. I can have all these things if I want them. 
but what do I really like and what is going to be worth it? And anyway, so yeah, I just, I think that that's such an important thing for all of us to go through because we do have an abundance of everything. We have all the options. My daughter has about five boxes of Girl Scout cookies in her room right now. And but I don't really like Girl Scout cookies, so it's okay. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. But I'm like, ask my friends, anybody want some Girl Scout cookies? Somebody, please. But yeah, you know, so it's, I, I think that that's really, I love that explanation. And I think it helps to free people up in a lot of ways. So what does the typical food day look like for you? Does it, does it vary from season to season? How has it changed? Because I know for me, so much has changed just from year to year. I'm yeah. So what does it, it look like it, for you right now? It changes, but I mean, for the most part, I stick with, I mean, I really stick with the same kind of foods. Seasonally, it changes a little bit for me. Summer, um, I eat a little bit more carbohydrates than I normally do. And there's just a fascinating, it all goes back to the light and we're really programmed that way. Um, We're really programmed to unfortunately fatten up in the summertime. That's um, as we move into winter and things are leaner, it's just the body's way it prepares itself. So there were so many years I'm like, why do I always want to eat so many more carbs? You know, there's all the beautiful fresh fruit and that kind of thing, but we're really biologically designed that way. But anyway, um, what, so that was just good to know. I'm like, oh, give myself yeah. a that. Like, this is okay. You know? Um, but normally, um, I, I do eat a lot of eggs. Um, eggs and I have that for breakfast three to four times a week. I really have a goal for that with my family. We all tolerate eggs. Well, um, you know, we're not in school right now, but I really want to send them to school. Um, you know, with something that really grounds them healthy fat, healthy protein, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing. So we, we do a lot of that. Um, I will do just a lot of fish, a lot of um, my, my husband's a cattle rancher, so we do you know, yeah. quite a bit of beef, oh, <laughs> grass-fed I, beef. I love grass-fed beef. It's amazing uh, yeah. how much better I feel eating that than yeah. really any other protein. It's it's a good one for me, so I love that. Yeah, and we're just, it's real traditional. You know, dinners usually look like a meat and a vegetable and some kind of starch, you know, usually mm-hmm. potatoes or you know, for my family, I, they might eat rice, but rice is not a heck yeah for me, a whole food carb I really like. So I might do collie rice or just skip it yeah. all together and just do yeah. vegetables and the meat. Um, and, you, you know, salads, just, you know, really the basics, it's nothing too, um, nothing too exciting. It's just, it's real foods most of the time. And then my favorite heck yeah is sprinkled in there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's again, such, such a good balanced perspective. And I think that that's helpful for people too. So cool that you get to have like fresh grass fed beef. You don't have to go to the store and search for the label and go, does it really mean grass fed? Like, you know, where your food comes from. I know. You see it on the daily. Yes. And it it took several years for me to convince my husband to, um, you know, he just was traditional cattle rancher and sold them at the, you know, sold them at the sale and they ended up going to the feedlot. And I'm like, really, really this, please, you know, can we just put some aside and, uh, you know, just only, you know, let them just graze on the grass. And, and it turns out he has just fallen in love with that. And hmm. where we are, we have just really good hearty grass and it, you know, grass fed beef can, can taste different depending on the region and the type and the grasses oh. that grows there. And we just have a really good hearty grass out where we are here in West Texas. And, um, and so it really tastes delicious. So we're really, I'm really lucky to have a freezer stocked full of that. So we do eat a ton of grass-fed beef, but, you know, I talk a lot about carbs and 
uh, and fats, but it, when I'm building a meal for me or my family, the first macronutrient I'm thinking of is protein, quite mm. honestly. Yeah. That's what I build all my meals around and really the one I want my, to get in my kids. And so I'm yes. like, okay, well, I'm going to start with my protein. What is that going to be? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, kind of build it from there. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's helpful. I think for a lot of people too, because good quality protein mm-hmm. is the most satiating, right. Of yes. all the macronutrients and, right. and it's so, and we don't get enough of it at all. You know, I mean, yeah. I think we get a lot of weird sources like weird soy that's been genetically modified. There's all sorts of that kind of protein floating around, but not, not the good stuff. And I, and I think that's a problem for a lot of people for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about you know, you are the Christian nutritionist. So how does your faith play a role in your practice and working with people? And I, I know you've kind of touched on it already, but um, I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Well, really, um, one of the first things was just that, you know, when you're studying nutrition or you're, you're trying to just figure out what the heck to eat and who, you know, there's so many, there's so much conflicting advice out there, which is really frustrating. And so I remember this was years ago before avocados became, you know, the darling that they are now, but I remember hearing on the news or reading that avocados were bad because they were high in fat. And I was like, (laughs) hold the phone. I was like, wait, avocados grow on trees and God made trees and God made my body. Why would he do that? It didn't make any sense to me. And that was really the first aha moment I had. And just really um, deciding to let God, the creator of my body be the compass for, for what the best thing for my body. He made my body and he made the food for our bodies. And so just, you know, real food, I'm like, okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. You know, in Genesis 129, he gives us plant foods. In Genesis 9-3, he gives us animal foods. Mm -hmm. And so um, the more that we stick to just really clean sources of those foods, those are going to be the best things for Mm -hmm. our body. Um, And so that made a lot of sense to me. So that's just something I like to pass on to people, just to give Mm -hmm. them that that compass to go by. And then the other thing that... um, a couple of things is that, you know, I think especially for busy, busy women, two things that we put on the back burner are our health and our relationship with God. You know, um, we just, God is so awesome. And, and so we kind of know deep down, he's like, he's going to be there for us no matter what. I'll, I'll pick up that, the Bible later, Bible study. Um, you know, I'm saying my prayers here and there, so I'm good. But really what I want to do is just kind of keep God and better health because they're so intermeshed, you know, this whole spirit, mind, um, body approach Mm -hmm. to health. I want to keep that on the front burner for people. And so I hope that by, um, just being, you know, calling myself the Christian nutritionist and relating scripture to health. That's one thing that started happening that, you know, as I would read in the Bible, God put this like lens over my eye. And so like all these scripture Mm -hmm. I read, all I think about is health, (laughs) you know, I'm like, Oh, it has nothing to do with food, but for some reason I can see it in a way that, you know, relates to health. And so I just kind of share that with people. And I, if I can make people on a daily basis, just think about God a little bit more and make one better decision for their body. That makes me really happy. And then the other thing is just kind of looking beyond our bodies um, as, you know, like, Oh, I want to be this size or be this weight or fit in this dress, that kind of thing. And just really thinking about the fact that, um, you know, we are, vessels of the Holy Spirit. You know, we are the hands and feet of Jesus in this world. Like we are the love and that when we feel well, we serve well. And Mm -hmm. so I just want to help people feel better. I think we show up better in the world. I think we show up to our God-given purposes better Mm -hmm. and we just can 
fulfill that, um, you know, in such a better way when we, um, when we're healthy and we're not Mm -hmm. obsessed with food or obsessed with our ailment, you know, whatever that may be. Like I can tell you if you're constipated and you never poop, you're obsessed with pooping because you can't, you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh, it feels awful. You want to go and it's all you think about. So whether it is your health ailment Mm -hmm. or your, just your food and your weight, you know, um, being free and having more peace about Mm -hmm. that opens up so much opportunity to just show up like God created you to be in the world. And so that is really what I, I hope for people. My prayer is that for people. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so good. And, and I think what you're saying too, is also it's, it's been studied that people who have a spiritual practice, people that have a faith or, or a com- community, the faith-based community around them, they live longer. They're healthier yeah, people, absolutely. you know, not saying, you know, I don't want to be like, Oh, well, if you, you know, if you're not praying, you're never going to be healed. You know, I'm not, I'm not making a, no. a blanket statement at mm-hmm. all about that. Um, but I do think that when we have our focus on something other than ourselves yeah. <laughs> on, uh, on a greater purpose, on a greater calling, um, it, everything seems to line up a little bit better, but it's, it gets real messy, you know? I mean, it's so yeah. easy to get trapped and, and held captive by the things that are here right in front of us, whether it's our, our size, our weight, our, um, you know, or even just the obsession. I've, I think that I, for a while was obsessed with the idea of health. Like I put that before anything else, just the idea mm-hmm. of finding perfect health. Right. When, I let that come between me and and my relationship with God, you know? So Mm -hmm. I think that Mm -hmm. I I love your message because I think it creates such um, a healthy perspective on on all those things. So with that being said, if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness and everything that you said, just one piece, Okay. (laughs) what what would it be? What would be one thing? Eat real food the way God made it. I mean, that is that you can never go wrong. If you stick to those foods that the creator made, the creator of your body made for your body, you're going to be good to go. Yeah. I think that's so, so good to hear and tell everybody where they can find out more information about you or contact you or get involved in your feast of fast. I did not talk about diet denominations, but she has an awesome y'all. She has an awesome podcast episode about diet denominations. So check that out. But yeah, where can we contact you? Well, I'm the Christian nutritionist everywhere. That's my website. That's on Instagram, Facebook. Um, that's the best place to find me. If you're interested in Feast of Fast, which is my four-week metabolic makeover program, you can go to feastoffast.co um, and find out information there. Um, I run it five times a year. And so there's usually a round going on. And um, and yeah, and I would just love to love to connect with um, any of your listeners and your people. And I just think it's so great to have um, just fellow, you know, people that really integrate that spirit, mind, body approach. Like you said, I think we need the whole package to be fully mm-hmm. healthy. And so I just um, appreciate what you're doing as well. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on this call. I learned a lot of stuff. I hope everybody else learns here as well. So thank you again for being on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to Sparking Wholeness. 
For more on all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul, check out my website, sparkingwholeness.com. Don't forget to be kind and subscribe to this show wherever you listen to podcasts. And to be really kind, you can leave a nice review. I like those.